welcome to the Ethnos New Brunswick podcast. We're so glad you're joining us today. Ethnos is a new organization looking to join in the holistic, community-transforming work happening in New Brunswick and Highland Park. Part of that includes thinking about the spiritual health and vitality of our community. Each week, our gathering is meant to give our community a safe and helpful place for that. Today's episode is the fourth part in our series called Revolutionary, with a conversation being led by lead pastor Yukon Chu. All right, if you could uh, try to get situated, grab your refreshments, find a seat, that would be amazing. You know, it's, it's so good, to, again, to hear all the, the chatter and commotion. Uh, one of the things we really believe here at Ethnos is that relationships, relationships are the things that actually change our world. I mean, really, when, when all is said and done, love happens through relationships. If love is what really changes the world, then relationships need to happen. And so it's just good to hear relationships forming in this time. Uh, speaking of relationships, I, I noted earlier that here at Ethnos, we really believe that we are meant to join in the holistic transformation of our city and community. And what that involves is that it involves us working with other organizations, other nonprofits, other for-profit agencies, uh, the, the, the government, the uh, school system, you know, us working together with other people to join in that holistic transformation. And today, uh, before we get into our discussion time, we have the really special opportunity uh, of having one of the well-known New Brunswick nonprofits here with us, uh, the director here with us. Uh, Some of you have heard of Archangel Raphael Mission. Uh, They are one of the, I would say, premier organizations helping with the issue of homelessness here in New Brunswick. And today we have John, the director, here with us. And John's going to come up and share a little bit about what ARM does and also about a unique project that we are actually working together on that is super, super cool. Can we give John a hand as he comes on up? John, come on up. John is a cool dude, as you can see already. Just by the way he looked, he's awesome. Well, thank you all for having me here today. this is by far the, the liveliest church community that I've been to, but I'm also Orthodox, so the bars, you know, kind of love, for, in terms of energy at least. Um, but I wanted to thank Pastor Yukon for bringing me out here today. Um, we were just talking earlier, and we kind of touched on the topic of partnerships and how there are so many great communities out here and so many great congregations out here, and the, the entire population of the congregation doesn't even know the great things that their church is up to. Um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a background about ARM, um, kind of what our most ambitious project is right now, and then the project that we're really exciting uh, to be working with Ethnos on, and it's right around the corner. So ARM was founded by about five or six Rutgers alumni, and uh, we kind of were getting tired of the way that volunteerism was approached in the city. You know, Rutgers was like, no, 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 no. like we want you to help, but we want you to help at the rack with like seven, you know, RUPD officers at the perimeter of the building, and that's not really a great way to engage with your community, and it kind of creates an us and them separation. And so, you know, me and my girlfriend and my buddy, everyone that was, you know, Rutgers, (laughs) we had a couple Rutgers dropouts in that group too, but uh, people who cared a lot about their community. And we got together and we started going down to the train station, and we started handing out PB&Js, and 
it's kind of funny to talk about, but we had, we had the best food. We had these old Egyptian ladies cooking, you know, casseroles and stuff by the end of the week, um, and we were going seven days a week. And it was a really sad time in our life when the city, you know, they, they appreciated what we did, but they said, listen, guys, like, there's, you know, there's, there's a way to individually give back, and there's a way to collectively give back, and now that you've ascended to the collective group, you need to start thinking about things in a different way. And it was a challenge, but it brought us to that position of, all right, we need to start partnering with different people. So we partnered with uh, Hidden Grounds Coffee, which is you know, definitely one, at one of the top two best coffee places in Middlesex County. In my opinion, it's number one, but um, I know there's a couple OQ fans here too. Um, so we, we decided to partner with them and we had our first community dinner. We've had four since then where all the local restaurants donate a dish in a potluck style dinner. And you, know, the, you think about how often and how lucky and how blessed we are to have you know, this great food around us all the time. Um, and there's people that will go their entire life in the city and not have one dish from a restaurant within it. So that was something that we really wanted to address. Um, the next, our next big project, it's a little bit gargantuan, but we're excited to work on it, and Yukon's been a big help already, um, is a shower bus for the homeless. You know, homelessness is really at its smallest possible denomination, a countywide endeavor. It's really a statewide endeavor, but at the very least, the county is more equipped to solve that. In order to do that, you have to connect the county. So we've plotted a route of the three major cities affected by homelessness in, New, in Middlesex County, New Brunswick, Perthamboy, and Plainfield. And uh, we're raising money and, and working with you know, community partners in all those cities to develop and retrofit an old metro bus with hopefully about three showers, a washer dryer, and things like that to provide dignity to the community. Um, it's a big project. Uh, but I'm, I should be graduating in December, so I'll have nothing but time to work on it. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. Um, I have, like, friends, little brothers who are graduating, or my friends are like, John, I got my master's. I was like, dude, that's awesome. I have, like, 15 credits left in my undergrad. Um, so, but on to the, the you know, really the reason that I'm here and really thankful to be here is um, going along with that dignity motif. You know, when I came here this morning, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of hair to cut, but, you know, I would... I would you know, make sure that my hair is good, I took a shower, I put on clean clothes, and, and those are all things that a lot of people in our community don't have the opportunity to do. Um, so thanks to Jose and Yukon, we partnered with uh, Onyx uh, Hair Design Studio, and on October 9, we're gonna have a haircut event for the homeless uh, here in New Brunswick. So we're hoping to make it a recurring event. Um, we're probably looking somewhere every other month in the wintertime, every month in the summertime for obvious reasons. And uh, leading up to that haircut event, we're having a clothes drive. So we want to have some clothes, some hygiene packs, and things like that. There's uh, four locations where you can drop those off, and I'm sure UConn will be more than happy to help you pick out other ones if, if you're not in necessarily the area. But it's both Hidden Grounds locations, the, the haircut place itself, Onyx Hair Design Studio, and also uh, my, my fraternity house, the Delta Phi House on 22 Lafayette. All right, so thank you guys. You know, it's, it's super important that you stay connected with your community, and I'm sure UConn wouldn't let you not connect with your community because that's the kind of people you guys have here. So thank you for bringing me up, and we're very excited to continue working together. Thank you, brother. Cool stuff, huh? Uh, and so um, it's, it's just so good to work together with different people in our city to be a part of that holistic transformation. And so we'll be putting things up on our Facebook page if you want to get the details, again, of the drop-off points. If um, you're a barber, no, actually, you, 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 I guess if you are a barber and you're hidden and, and you, you haven't come out of the woodworks, I guess we could take you too. But there, there's a way the barbers are doing it there. So, uh, but if you have some interest, definitely talk to us, talk to John. Uh, some good things happening. 
Well, hey, we're going to transition now into what we do here every Sunday. Uh, we're going to have a moment of discussion and reflection on the teachings of Jesus. Like I mentioned earlier, we really believe that uh, the spiritual well-being of our own lives and of our community is essential to the holistic well-being that we hope for in our city. And here at Athos specifically, we think the teaching and the person of Jesus is unique among the many spiritual options. And so we spend our time focused in on some of his teaching. You, again, can bring whatever you want to the table, and we'll have a great time discussing it. Um, but as you know, uh, what we like to do here at Ethos with these discussion times is we like to take about two, three months to focus in on a specific topic and explore the intricacies of that topic. And so for this, this season of fall, we are approaching uh, a topic called revolutionary. Or that's the topic of our series, revolutionary. How does Jesus and the spirituality he offers literally change everything for the better. The reason why we've kind of taken this approach or, or the angle we're approaching it from is that um, around 2,000 years ago, in the city of Ephesus, which was at that time the second largest city, second most important city in the greatest empire of that time, the Roman Empire, first greatest city was Rome, second was Ephesus. In this ancient city of Ephesus, it housed one of the seven wonders of the world. It was this important, thriving, diverse, multi-ethnic, socially diverse economic center of the empire. Something happened 2,000 years ago. Something happened where, and we read about this in our very first week of the discussion, something happened where the city began to turn literally upside down. The economy was getting shaken. In fact, the mayor of the city and the main uh, caretaker of the economy had to come out and stop a riot from happening in the city because the economy was tanking and the whole place was changing. And we began to assess what was going on historically. What happened? And we read in our very first discussion that a new spirituality actually had entered into this city. A new spirituality centered around the person of Jesus entered into the city about 2,000 years ago and literally revolutionized this city. And so our approach in this series is to ask some hard questions and think through, how did that happen? Why did that happen? And could something so revolutionary happen to us today. Now, one of the uh, sociologists we quoted in that very first week, again, we've been looking at not just quote-unquote religious uh, sources that have documented this, but also quote-unquote non-religious sources that have actually, you know, studied this and documented this. We looked at the work of sociologist Rodney Stark, and Rodney Stark noted from a sociological perspective that, that yes, sociologically, this change in religious thoughts actually made an impact. And so what we want to do here today is begin that process or continue that process of thinking through specifically the religious idea behind this change. And today, specifically, the idea of God 
that was behind and potentially is behind continued change today. And so let's get started with the discussion table then, uh, discussion question then at our tables. Here's a question to get our brains going here. What's, what's the most life-changing, good or bad, idea you have ever had about God? What's the most life-changing, in, in your life so far, the most life-changing idea you've had about God? It could be that, oh, God doesn't exist, and that's changed your life. It could be that God exists. It could be that God is loving. It could be that God is, you know, you fill in the blank. Two minutes, chat with the people around your table, and we'll bring it back together. <laughs> All right, so who wants to share uh, their most life-changing idea about God so far in their journey of spirituality, their journey of trying to understand these sorts of things? Any brave soul wants to share with us? I can't see it. Oh, the youth table. Oh, man, the high school table is leading the way today. Yeah, give it up for the high schoolers. Okay. Did you just volunteer somebody? Or... Hi. Okay. Um, so for me, it was the whole idea and, like, mindset that God had everything planned out. That, um, what do you call it, anything that's happening right now or that has happened, it's happening for a reason. And that God overall has this big plan for me and that I shouldn't worry. Yeah, that's good. Let's give it up for Fanny. Good. Yeah, all right. What else? What else? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's the idea that uh, spirit is always, there's always a spiritual connection that you're never really alone. No matter what chaos is going on in my life, I always had that spiritual connection to hook up to and bounce things off of and pray to and connect with. Right on. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Thank you. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah. Yeah, give, we can do a better hand clap than that, can't we? Yeah, okay, okay. Everyone's like kind of like in between. Okay, good, good. Uh, anybody else? Yeah. Um, so what's sticking out for me was the first time I experienced God um, as part of a community. And, um, you know, I had kind of grown up experiencing God individually. But when I, um, when I experienced him as part of a community of people, um, it just kind of took it to a different level. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about a time when I volunteered at a Christian camp um, when I was in college. And just living and working together in a community, um, it just brought it to a new life. Yeah. No, that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. Thank you for that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, what else? Anybody else? These are some great thoughts. Okay, we'll go here and then we'll go over there. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking about my earlier experiences of being a Christian and um, how it was introduced to me. And so what was life-changing for me was that um, I was kind of told or informed that a lot of parts of my life didn't meet God's expectations. So like I would have to change the way I dress and the places I went and this and that. And like, so it felt like there was just this super high bar that I had to meet to be accepted and loved by Christ. Mm -hmm. And so as a earlier, like an early Christian, that was life-changing to me because I just didn't feel like I met those expectations. So um, now like forming my own relationship and like learning about his love for me, um, this is like a newer experience and sort of counters what I was told yeah. earlier on. 
Yeah, yeah. So, so the first experience was a bad one, and this one in your more recent journey is a good one. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, let's give it up for Sharice. Thank you, Sharice. Yeah. And we'll go one more. One more with Joshua. He can wrap it up for us, my friend. Mine is short. It's just God's grace. Okay. Keeping it simple. I like that. Thank you. No, that's good. That's good. You know, you know, it's really interesting, right? Um, all of us, all of us have an opinion about God. Uh, it doesn't matter if we actually believe in God or a God or gods or we don't. It's just, it's just one of these things as human beings we have an opinion on, and we have an idea of, and that idea truly does change our lives, whether it be minimally change our lives, drastically change our lives. I mean, it really does change our lives, and so it's one of these. Uh, ideas, one of these questions, one of these issues that is important for us to think about if we are to experience some type of revolutionary change in our lives. Now, what we're going to do here today is begin to get exposure to the specific details of the religious thoughts that changed this city of Ephesus and the citizens in there. Specifically, we're going to look at a letter that was written to the citizens of Ephesus that went through this change about five, six years after uh, the, the person Paul that we talked about a few weeks ago, after he kind of first introduced these ideas about God into the city. Five years later, after he leaves, he writes a letter back to them to remind them of certain things, to kind of elaborate on the ideas that that initially he helped start in that area. And what we're going to discover here today is, is this basic truth. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. That, that is kind of basic, but I think is really, really important. Not this slide, the other slide before this. Um, yeah, you're like, what is this? Yeah, there you go. This is the basic idea, and, and this is maybe something you maybe haven't thought about when it comes to thinking about God, but this is super important. The idea we're going to talk about today is that God is actually unbelievably happy and lavish in his happiness and his love. I'm using these big phrases for a reason, and you'll see in, in a quick moment, but he's unbelievably, confidently, overflowingly happy and lavish. And it is through this happiness or out of the overflow of this happiness and lavish love that we actually receive something specifically in Jesus. Now, let me just ask you a quick question by a show of hands. How many of you have ever thought about God as a happy person? I'm just curious. How many of you have never really put happiness and God together? That's just kind of weird for you. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you, but as I grew up kind of thinking about God and all these sorts of things, happiness, like, like an overflowing sort of giddy sort of just abounding happiness was not how I typically thought of God. It just didn't cross my mind to think of him that way. What we'll see here today uh, in our excerpt, in this letter, is this overflowing happiness. Now, what are we going to be doing today? Uh, you can put up the image now uh, that, that confused everyone. Uh, some of you know that this original letter was written actually in the ancient language of Koine Greek. This is just an example of what Koine Greek looks like. This is actually an excerpt from the letter that we're reading today. And what happens is when we look at the 
the, the letter, when we look at the scriptures of Jesus, all these sorts of things, uh, what people have to do is basically translate this ancient language into modern-day English or Mandarin or whatever language it's being translated into. And if you go to the next slide, you'll realize very quickly that many translations oftentimes result. And the reason is because if you're bilingual here, you know how this works. You, it's hard to capture certain things from one language to the other. It's just impossible, really, to capture all the special nuances of that one word or that one phrase, right? And so if you've ever kind of approached spirituality, especially the spirituality of Jesus, you, you look at maybe different translations or you hear people talking about different translations and they're like, really, uh, can I really believe this thing if it's just being translated? Or can I really accept this if it's being translated? Well, people like me who go to school to, to learn this stuff, we actually have to learn the original language. So this is stuff like I do for fun. Uh, I do weekly when I have to lead the discussion here. And so what I do often is I look at the original language and then I look at the various English translations that we have. And from there, I kind of pick the, the translation I think that best captures what's being said. Why do I bring that up today? I bring it up today because the translation we have is not your typical translation. It's going to sound almost too loose, maybe, too like, oh my goodness, is this, is this really like the scriptures of Jesus? Especially if you've grown up in a tradition of some sort and, you know, scripture for you seems like King James, like, like written in the 14th century and it's kind of just in a certain box. Today's translation is going to be very, I think, vivid and lively. And so I just want to bring up that I'm not making this stuff up. I'm not just randomly picking something for us to read. I've thought through this from literally from the Greek and thought, you know what? I think this will capture what we want to capture. And so if you can, take a look at the excerpt. It's on your tables. It's, again, the introduction actually to this letter that was written some 2,000 years ago. And in this introduction, basically, the author, Paul, who started this movement that hit Ephesus, reminds them of the unique spiritual truths about God that ultimately revolutionized this city. So let me read it together, and we'll talk, we'll talk about what hits you, right? How blessed is God. And what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by our misdeeds, and not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plan he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven and everything on planet earth. 
It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and everyone. It is in Christ that you, once you heard the truth and believed in this message of salvation, found yourselves home free, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit. This signet from God is the first installment on what's coming, a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us, a praising and glorious life. I hope you caught the excitement and this overflowing sense of happiness that not only the author has, but that God actually has. Now, there are a lot of details in here that we will take our time to think about. But I, I, again, I hope you see, even in the first paragraph, right, the opening paragraph, just, man, that look, look at the second to last sentence. What pleasure he took in, in planning this, and the, the little phrase in parentheses there. God is abundantly, overflowingly happy and excited about life, about us, about who he is. And it's really out of that overflow that we get to have something in Jesus. Now, before we turn to our discussion tables and, and kind of talk about our reflections on this, let me just share really quickly my reflection again on, on this as I was processing this week. This, is, this, this was not my original disposition or thought about God. I mean, I kind of grew up thinking that God was at best serious, at worst all kinds of other things, but, you know, a very stern person, just just because he or she had to be. I mean, if you're running this universe and people are going crazy, yeah, you just figure somebody up there is a pretty stern person. Or perhaps that this person is removed from our lives. I mean, not this personal, perhaps. Even if he was maybe happy, it was kind of that surface-level happiness. You ever had, you know, you know that surface-level happiness, right? Like, like, some of us are surface-level happy. Like, we kind of laugh at things, we joke about things, but, you know, you just scratch the surface, and we're full of all kinds of pain and worry and insecurity and all those kind of things. You ever, you ever meet people who are happy, but really deep down they're in insecure? They're happy only to please somebody else. They're happy only so they can seem okay and get accepted, but deep down they are so insecure. Sometimes I think God seems like that to me. I just think God, you know, he's just, he's just giving us this love thing on the side. But deep down, he wants worship because he's insecure, right? But no, the vision of God, I think, in these opening sentences is radically different from that sort of happiness. Take a moment, turn to your neighbor, and reflect on this with me. First, you know, first of all, what, what do you see about God in these opening sentences? And what do you think about this idea that God is abundantly and confidently happy? What do you think about that idea? Two minutes, talk it over with your table. We'll bring it back.
All right, so how is this striking you, our, our topic here today? What, what's, what are you noticing about God in this excerpt, and how does this idea of a happy, lavish God uh, strike you here this morning? Anybody want to share their thoughts? Yeah. Um, uh, good morning. No. <laughs> um, I, we were discussing um, the the fact that um, um, when we were created, we were created in his image, and we were created to create. And um, what we have done in our creation, being a little lower, than, I mean, um, being higher than the angels and being called uh, to be in his image, we have taken that happiness and, that, and, and glorified ourselves in some way, somehow, and we have destroyed what he has given us. Um, but at the same time, he's telling us, you know, take that eagerness, that love, that understanding, that that happiness, and that um, and 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 create, but create to do good, not to to lavish in your own position of of of, of hierarchy that he has created you to be a little lower than him in his image. But I think we just run amok with him, just did whatever we wanted to do. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you bring up a couple interesting things. The fact that there's there's Something about creating that brings happiness. I think that's really important. But also we've run amok with some things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. What else? What else about God strikes you in this, this passage? Yeah. Um, way back. Way back. So this week I've been doing this really interesting meditation exercise um, where you're supposed to envision a person that you have a good relationship with and just picture them experiencing like happiness and contentment which was very interesting and starts to feel a little stalkery at first. But uh, after you get over that, like really envisioning this person feeling good in their life and in their situation made me feel really good. And that idea connected me to, well, this is at least a little picture of what God experiences when he sees me connecting with his goodness. Like, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, thanks, God, that I even get this little tiny picture. But yeah, like seeing my friend or envisioning my friend, you know, having a good experience and, and really being satisfied in life really made me happy. So, yeah. That's great. Okay. Okay. Yeah, give, them, yeah, give these people a hand, Jose and Rachel. I like it. I like it. Who else? Who else wants to share their reflection here? Maybe take just one more. We don't have that much time. Yeah, we'll go over here. Yeah. We kind of talked about a lot of things in that short period of time, but um, we talked about the feeling of, like, being able to experience or think about Jesus as being happy, but maybe separating that from God. Um, and then we talked a little bit about, um, like, understanding the idea that, like, God delights in us um, and as he watches us grow, kind of what Rachel was saying, uh, but maybe not thinking about that in the sense of happiness um, and how those are, are two different feelings. Um, and then speaking of feelings, the kind of the last thing we talked about was the difference between joy and happiness and how we've often thought about God and, and Jesus and some of those teachings as teaching about joy, but, but noticing how you're distinguishing here specifically this feeling of happiness. And so we're perplexed. We're perplexed, yeah. That's a good way to end. Yeah, we are definitely perplexed. I'm a little perplexed um, about it all as well. You know, um, here's the deal, right? Uh, our ideas of God um, hopefully are constantly growing, 
and evolving in, in, in the best possible way. Reason? If God is actually there, he is obviously infinite, much, much greater than us, greater than we could actually ever imagine. And so for any of us to say, oh, we have it all figured out, or I, got, I figured out how God really is, I mean, you know, don't ever follow people who say they figure out God, because God's infinite, and, and we really can't ever figure him out completely. Now, what is interesting about this God that these Ephesians, these city dwellers in Ephesus experienced, though, is that this God apparently, based on this text we have here, but also other historical knowledge we have, this God actually became a human being. Many of us know that story of Jesus and how Jesus was and is God becoming that human being. And I just want to highlight here, as you kind of just reflect on what's going on in this excerpt, notice how every paragraph essentially is connected to Jesus and how Jesus, it seems to be, Jesus is the linchpin, is the essential element in how this God exudes his happiness towards us. That's something we're going to have to really reflect on as we continue in this journey. Uh, we don't have time here to completely unpack it, but I would just encourage us, if our spirituality right now is not centered around Jesus, on one hand, it's okay, right? Because we're on a journey, we're trying to figure it out, but I would strongly encourage us where we are to reflect on, well, does it need to be? And how can it get there to center around Jesus? I was talking to somebody uh, here at Ethnos uh, earlier this week, and I know a number of us at Ethnos are kind of in this place, but, um, you know, the thing with Jesus and, and all this kind of thing is that historically, uh, if you're a thinking person, most likely you, you run into a lot of problems when you think about Jesus. I mean, I did when I was starting my Jesus journey. Um, I, I know many of us here, if we're somewhere on that journey, we, we run into these problems. Uh, we give out this free resource every week here. It's called The Case for Christ. It's a former atheist's journey into trying to understand the Jesus figure and his discovery into how revolutionary Jesus was and is, kind of like what the Ephesians here discover. So I just want to encourage you to take a look at this. But also, as, as I think about what, how we can begin to absorb this, I want to encourage us to two actions here this week that will hopefully begin to get us deeper into the mindset of these Ephesians. Remember, we are saying that we all have concepts of who or what God is. Everyone, even, even us who identify as atheists. I mean, we just do. It's a natural thing we do as human beings. The question is, of course, is our concept sufficient? Is our concept helpful? Is our concept transformative? I think many of us could make arguments that, yeah, my concept of God right now is helpful to me. It's transformative to a certain extent. It's, it's, it's good. I think it's fine even, some of us might say. But what if it's not? What if there's more? What if there's a revolution that is waiting to happen? in your life, in my life. Two challenges I'm going to give us this morning. The first is this. I want us to 
to meditate this week. I want to challenge us to meditate this week. Specifically, what I mean, and I like, Rachel, how you brought up a meditation idea there, but specifically what I mean by meditation is this. Uh, you know, there are different forms of meditation. If you're into Buddhism, you know, Buddhist meditation is more like emptying the mind of things and trying to transcend reason and kind of achieve a state of that transcends reason. Um, Jewish meditation, which Jesus kind of falls under because he identified with Judaism, but he kind of modifies it quite a bit. Jewish meditation and Jesus meditation, yes, you're supposed to get certain things out of your mind, but you're supposed to get then something else in your mind, okay? And so Jewish meditation, it's interesting, the word for, the, the, the use for meditation uh, is almost like muttering. You can also translate it as muttering. And so you're kind of muttering something. It's almost like a mantra, I guess you could say. You're muttering something constantly over yourself and over your mind, and you're muttering something. And so I want to challenge us to meditation this week, specifically meditation on this excerpt and the qualities of God and the things we receive from God that are based on this excerpt. I've kind of helped us by putting it in a table format. This was my attempt to summarize. You can see on your, your, your handout here, summarize some of the main themes that I, I got out of this. Perhaps you want to write your own little table of thoughts and ideas and truths to meditate on, but I want to challenge us to meditate this week on what's here. But perhaps more important than that, or just as important, I want to challenge us to actually receive what this God has to offer. Meaning, here's the deal. We can talk about how God is a very happy God, not just the, the surface happiness, but the deeply confident happiness. Now that happiness, he lavishes amazing things to us, you know, that are listed in this passage or listed on this table. You can, you can conceptually understand that, but spiritually to receive that, that's a whole other thing, right? There are a lot of reasons why receiving is difficult. I think one of the reasons why receiving is difficult is because when we receive something, when we genuinely really receive something, we have to lose control, right? I mean, right, have you ever gotten the, one of those Christmas gifts you don't really need? And you're supposed to receive it, and it's supposed to change your life, but you're like, I don't really need that. Thank you, but no thank you. You, you still, you're maintaining control, right? Or you receive some advice from somebody, you're like, oh, I don't really need that because, you know, I don't think it's that important. And, and so you're still maintaining control. But what happens when that idea or that relationship wants to come in your life? And you realize that, man, if I receive that relationship, and some of us have done that, we've received a relationship, a boyfriend, girlfriend, a spouse, a good friend, a child. We, we receive that, and, and, and we know we've received that relationship because it forces us to lose control. It forces us to literally let go and let someone else dictate how we feel, how we act, Truly receiving means to let go of control. And I think if we are to experience this God who is lavish, who is overflowing in his happiness and just utterly 
mind-blowing in what he wants to give us. We will have to receive. It will require a loss of control. And truth be told, it may seem impossible to do that. And I think it is, honestly. And I think that's why we have to engage in prayer and ask God, God, would you help me receive this abundant love in Jesus that's mentioned here? Can you join me in a moment of prayer and reflection here? You can do that by simply closing your eyes and reflecting. If you, that, you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's fine. You can keep your eyes open. But I want you to just take a brief moment and process what is striking you right now about our conversation here. Maybe it's the characteristics of God that we've reflected on. Maybe it's this idea that Jesus is important and, in fact, essential, at least in this excerpt, that he is the linchpin to this all. Maybe it's this idea that you actually have to let go of control in order to truly receive. I'm going to guess whatever is striking you is potentially uncomfortable and potentially, in your mind at least, impossible to give into or impossible to overcome. And so I want to ask you to simply ask God to help you overcome that which, seem, that which seems impossible. Say it however you want to say it. And we'll close um, with this prayer that I'll pray for us. God, we thank you for this time to reflect. All of us are here because we think somehow this is important in our journey an understanding of you, a spiritual life. We, we, we want to admit that we are, we're limited people, all of us here. If you are there, you're truly an, an unlimited, unfathomable God. And yet at the same time, if you're truly there and you actually love us, and care about our world, we're going to assume that you would reveal yourself to us somehow. And as we look at Jesus, we're challenged to understand if that is your revelation or not. Help us to embrace the next step in our spiritual journey right now. Help us embrace your lavish love, your happiness. Help us to embrace Jesus. Help us to embrace the humility, the loss of control that will need to happen in this journey. Thank you for this time to reflect and engage. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for today's conversation. 
For more information about Ethnos New Brunswick, visit us at ethnosnb.com.